Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns alongside the one, the only, John Gambadero. Happy opening day, Gambo! Burnsy, happy opening day. The best day of the year. Baseball started today. Yeah, one of those days where it's like, do I have to work today? Really? Uh, I was. I had the Yankee-Giants game on while, the, uh, while I was working this morning. I mean, it was early game and... Just watch that. Judge Homerd and Torres Homerd and two and a half hours. Two hours and 33 minutes for a baseball That's game. That's brisk, baby. Woo! It's like those old commercials. Man. That's brisk, yeah. baby. Remember those commercials? I do. Yeah. Major League Baseball. A... I wouldn't have brought it up if I didn't. Yes, oh, it's brisk. It's a quick time. That and quick. That was a quick game. That is going to be the future of Major League Baseball if Rob Manfred yeah. has his way. We'll People see. are going to love it. People I are going to love so. it. Yeah. I think they'll like it. Very quick I, game. I tend to think so, too. So, Diamondbacks of course, coming up tonight to opening up their Let's season go. in Los Angeles. And, and look, I don't get me wrong. I love what I do for a living. But this is one of those days where you're going to tell me I could just kind of sit at home and watch baseball all day long and chill out. It sounds kind of nice, too, you know, on opening yeah. day. That's a lot of people like to do. Uh, so we'll get into opening day, everything about the Diamondbacks and the season that's about to start. But obviously, we've got a Suns win and a Kevin Durant home debut to react to. Let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the way in Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. And forward, standing six foot ten from the University of Texas. Number thirty-five, Kevin. Here's Cameron Payne out on top. Durant three pointers straight away. Our own Vinny Murata with the introduction, yeah. the baskets, and the win for the Phoenix Suns. They beat the City Wolves 107-100, a game in which Kevin Durant missed 13 of the 18 shots he took. Yeah, he didn't play well. I mean, he didn't play well. I mean, that's a good thing is they won a basketball game where he didn't play very well. He missed his first, what, seven shots. He was one of eight from the half. Just, you know, may have been a little amped up and hyped up, and he may not have trusted himself 100%, you know, on, on the ankle at that point. He seemed to be Coming up short, but I mean, took three pointers and missed them. Baseline jumpers missed them. Drives to the basket missed them. Didn't have much of an impact on the game. I mean, that's the truth. He did not have much of an impact on the game. Everybody was excited to see him, and people were talking yesterday. I thought it was outrageous. The most points ever by a son in their home debut. Charles Barkley, number one. Tom Gugliotta, number two. And he was on a minutes restriction. <laughs> I don't know why anybody thought he had a chance to like do that. He was on a minutes restriction. Uh, so people were excited. Give they him were excited. Right, cut him some slack. The bottom line is they got the win. He didn't play well. It's good to shake off the rust, right? That's important. Shake off the rust. He did that, and now it's uh, all systems go. I think once you get that first one out of the way, I think the next one will be a heck of a lot better. Yeah, I think so, too. And, I mean, look, we I think we might have been, for lack of a better word, spoiled a little bit with how he played those first three games. I mean, he showed up, and it just made it look easy. He made it look like he had been on the Suns for the last three or four years, right? We were amazed at how easy he made it look. I think last night was kind of more indicative of the situation. Here's a guy who's played, what, last night was his fourth game in the last three months? Yes. Four months? Yes, because right? he played the three games because he was out mid-January. He was out with the Nets. New team, new teammates, new environment, blah, blah, blah. All this, It's like everything we saw in those first three games, that was the anomaly. That was the unusual 
unusual thing. What we saw last night, I think, was closer to what we might have expected. This is going to be, you know, there's going to be moments like last night where it was a struggle and he was off and he was he was nervous. I mean, everybody said that after the game. It was obvious he was just a little bit nervous being out there. Here's what KD said. Yeah, it felt good. Um, you know, miss playing, miss being with the guys. Um, it's a good win for us, and we needed this one. But, uh, yeah, I felt good being out there again. Didn't feel it at all. Felt great. Okay, ankle feels fine. Ankle he feels good. He good later, go, yeah. yep. He later said that I was definitely rushing. I was trying to get it all back at once. I can get in my own way sometimes. Thinking about things too much. DeAndre Ayton after the game basically said, "Hey, don't tell him I said so." But he he's nervous. He was a little nervous out there. Devin Booker. What did he tell Kevin Durant when he was struggling in the first half? Not <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's good. So you know his name. Yeah, he, he knows what he's doing. So, like he said, you know, he was probably just amped up, you know, geeked to get out there and you know, felt felt the pressure, felt the anxiety. And, you know, that's a one-game thing that's over with. It was a one-quarter, one-half thing. He even found it in the second half. So, you know, it's only up from here. I was interested to see, you know, the obviously the substitution patterns who he was going to play with. So came out of the game, five minutes and 40 seconds left in the first quarter. Didn't play very well. Just, you know, he shot a a three-pointer, didn't go in. Comes out of the game. He starts the second quarter with Bismack Biombo, Terrence Ross, Josh Okoji, Cameron Payne. So that's who he started with, right? We know there's always going to be somebody out there with those guys when the quarter starts. So I was really paying attention to that. Who's going to start the second? Who's going to start the third? Who's going to start the fourth? And so in the fourth, it was KD with Payne, Torrey, Ross, and Biz. Mm-hmm. So same, the only difference was in the second, Okoji was out there to start. In the fourth, Torrey Craig was out there to start. But Ross, Biz, and Payne were the other guys with KD at the start of the second. And fourth quarter. Yeah, and the guys, you know, we didn't see Jock Landale, we didn't see Damian Lee, we didn't see Ish. I mean, we're, we're, you know, all of these different parts that Monty's trying on for size to see who fits and who fits with who and who does what. I expect it's going to be fluid. I expect it's going to change a little bit. Um, we, we mentioned the game itself, a, a, a win, and it was a big win. The Clippers surprised everybody. No Kawhi. They just absolutely took it to Memphis last night. They were missing a bunch of guys, too. Uh, but with no Kawhi Leonard, I think everybody would have thought that the Clippers would have struggled. By winning that game, they kind of put the pressure on the Suns to keep winning, you know, to not fall into fifth in the Western Conference. We'll get into that more in a minute. I, I tell you, the guy, and it's, this is going to happen from time to time, the guy who really stood out, I thought, was Chris yes. Paul. God, he played yeah. so great last night. Listen, I, I we've had a little bit of a differing opinion, on. I think they really need him if they're going to win a championship. I think they need him. He needs to play well. I don't think Chris Paul can have a bad playoff series and they win a championship. I think they need that guy. So, you know, that was a good sign. I, I've always wondered, like, you know, with with ha- not needing to be the number two guy or two and a half, because you could say even with Mikhail and Cam here, there was a need for Chris Paul to be the second guy because those guys weren't established. With Durant here, there's a lot less pressure on Paul. He's got at least, look, he's the best in the league at getting to that mid-range elbow area, looking the other way where people are like, oh, he's going to pass the ball, and then just like, I'm going to look at the basket and shoot it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how guys fall for that. It's a I always find that amazing. It's like, he is looking, but he's actually not going to pass the ball. If he gets there 99.9% of the time, if he gets to that spot, he's shooting the basketball. Yeah. But he played a good game last night. I don't know. And can he keep it up? Can he do it on a game-by-game basis? Does he have to do it on a game-by-game basis? These are all questions
questions that we'll kind of learn the answer to because we worry about a player of his age just being able to consistently doing it night in and night out. Oftentimes we see where that age shows up. And, you know, speaking of things that we've talked about a lot, one of the things I really loved in that fourth quarter was watching him and Aiton work the two-man game because I, I think that's still a valuable part of how this is going to work for the Phoenix Suns. Paul and Aiton playing their two-man game, whether it's Paul's jumper with six minutes to go, Paul had a jumper with two minutes to go, Aiton had a dunk with 440, they cut it to under four, they cut it to four with about a minute to go, there was the lob for Aiton underneath the basket as well. Just that two-man game between Paul and Aiton, despite Booker's skill, despite what Kevin Durant brings, that needs to That's exist a in the Suns. That's a weapon that, for that, them. That's got to be a part yeah. of what they do every single night, the Paul and Aiton two-man game, because it's really, really good when it's on, and it was good last night when it mattered. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, that is a you know, you've got the mid-range game with Booker and you, and you got Durant. They're not a great three-point shooting team. As a matter of fact, the only reason why I, you know, when you look at it and you look at the first half, like, man, they're not playing very well. They're losing wide three-pointers. Minnesota was hit seven. The Suns hit two. That's a 12-point difference right there. Cat was pretty good. Now, they did a really good job defensively on Cat in the second half. But in the first half, Cat was knocking down a lot of a lot of threes. He, he shot seven. He made four. All of a sudden, the Timberwolves are up at the half. You scratch your head like, why? Well, that's a big reason why. Yeah, Cat only had the five points after halftime. On the postgame show, Tom Chambers brought up the point, and it was a really good one. The Suns had eight blocks, 11 steals, and only made six three-pointers. That's a really weird game for the yes. Suns, right? That's a really... You look at that and go, ooh, that doesn't quite compute, but it worked last night. That jo- does not compute. Josh Akogi was the man He's, down the... I mean, with the offensive rebounds and the steals and the turnovers that he forced, the havoc he against created. Against his former team, I always wonder, like, are they looking at, like, what did we miss on that? Because they didn't really give him much of an opportunity. He got some, but not a fair... He's gotten his re- first real opportunity to play and play meaningful minutes here in Phoenix, and he's really taking advantage yeah, of them. no doubt about it. He was really, really good last night. So the Suns maintain their position. They're in fourth. We'll go through some of the other things that happen in the West and where things stand. Kevin Durant, statistically, it, it, it was an anomaly what he did last night. He's not going to have nights like that very often. He just You go back and look it over his career. It just doesn't happen very often. Chalk it up to nerves. Chalk it up to wanting to impress the home crowd. And, and of course, there was the nerves that everybody was feeling before the game, too. You know, just making sure of course, he wasn't going to not get through the pregame warm-ups, but everybody was looking at it because <laughs> because he couldn't the last time he was here. So I think just everybody just had to get that first one out of the way, and once they did, we could all move on. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo Show, opening day is here. What are we looking forward to tonight when it comes to the Arizona Diamondbacks and their debut against the Dodgers? That's next, Burns and Gambo. <laughs> Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Happy opening day to everybody out there as the Arizona Diamondbacks all Major League Baseball officially underway for the 2023 season, a season that will bring about potentially a great deal of change in terms of how fans consume baseball, watch baseball, experience baseball. Yeah, there's nothing negative about this. There's nothing negative about it. You know, you could sit there. Look, I could say I never really cared about the time. You go to a baseball game, you sit and enjoy it, but they felt the need to speed it up, you know, because every other sport is on a clock. 
clock, you know, hockey and basketball. Everything's on a clock. There's a timer. You know what's going to happen. Um, but with baseball, baseball, it's not. You could have a four and a half hour baseball game. You just don't know. They wanted to speed it up. They wanted to get it more in line with what the other sports were playing. You know, get in and out in about two and a half hours. The first game today was Yankees and Giants. and It was played in a brisk two minutes and 33 seconds. I mean, that was quick. That's really quick. So that's what people prefer. They want that. I think it's going to be great for the sport. I do think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, it's you give them back 30, 45 minutes of their life. They'll say, OK, I'll take it. I'll take it. I want to watch the baseball game, but I prefer it to be two and a half hours instead of three and a half hours. People will prefer this. I think it's going to work and I think it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how different, you know, I, I think it'll feel the same watching a baseball game, but just seeing a game with a little more pace to it, a little more, you know, forced pace to it, I think it's going to make the product better. I'm looking forward to seeing the results and seeing how much different just watching a baseball game feels when it's got that kind of pace that's forced to it. More than anything, though, beyond you know the pitch clock or beyond the larger bases or eliminating the shift or all that stuff. I mean that's all you know that's all fine and well. Let's talk about our Arizona Diamondbacks yes. who opened the season today. Um, I wouldn't call it the burden of expectations. I think the only expectation on the Arizona Diamondbacks is that people know they're going to be better. People know that they're getting close. I don't think there's the expectation they're going to be a playoff team. I think they could be one. I think everybody acknowledges they could be one, but no one's really picking them to make the playoffs. Just this idea that. Maybe they'll be in contention, and I think at this point, sadly, that's probably enough for us when it comes to the Diamondbacks. I think it's always it, it always sucks when your baseball team's out of it in June, July, and we've been there. Like we've been there with the D backs in previous years. It's nice when you can get into August and your team is within striking distance of a wild card spot. That that's, those August games mean something. It's even better on September first, with a month to go in the season, you're within five games of a wild card spot. You're like, you know what? Got a shot here. You look, every game matters. So I think that's going to be exciting for them. Look, the Dodgers and the Padres spend a lot of money. They've got great lineups. There's no reason why the Diamondbacks can't be better than the Giants, better than the Rockies, and contend for a wild card spot. I think that they can. Now, a lot depends on what you said yesterday, because I know you're concerned about that starting pitching. I like their top two, but I definitely think that there are question marks at three, four, and five, and I think ultimately that will determine whether they're good enough or not. Yeah, and I know they've got reinforcements Enforcements if they want them, but they're all young, they're all unproven, they're all kind of you know somewhere on the prospect train to a certain extent, and so I don't know how much you want to go counting on them. This is you know I, I do have questions about the rotation outside of Zach Gallon. I, I don't have many questions about Merrill Kelly. I just anticipate that he's not going to be quite as good as he was last year because he was uncommonly good a year ago. I don't know if he's going to do that again. He might take a step back. Mad Bum, I've got concerns. Zach Davies, I've got concerns, and the fact that. Everybody else that you would have in that rotation right now, albeit as a top prospect, but still a prospect. And you just don't know how much you can count on them. The bullpen, honest to God, I have no idea. I mean, I know they throw hard. They throw hard. Three guys over 95. And I know they reinvented that bullpen to a large extent. We don't even know who the closer is. Hell, we don't even know if they really have a closer at this point, right, Bob? Uh, Or um, um, Torrey hasn't really said who his 
closer would be in a situation like that. And my guess is he might not have a guy who's in a fixed position to do it. So all of that stuff is a question mark. I think offensively, they're going to be dynamic to watch. I think they're going to be one of the most fun teams in baseball to watch because of the base stealing, because of the overall speed, because of the way they defend. I think a key to all of it is Cattell. And, and how does Cattell, that. how does his reshaped body and the weight that they asked him to lose, how does that reinvent him as a baseball player? That's a huge That's question for a big this question, team. Mark. We're excited about the outfield defense. We know it's going to be good. And I'm actually, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing this Kyle Lewis, who is the rookie of the year with Seattle, then it's had a, just a tremendous amount of injuries. He's a right-handed bat. He's going to get plenty of play in time with the three outfielders that, that are left-handed hitters. Um, obviously, this kid, you know, Gabriel Moreno, we can't wait to see him. I mean, he's one of the top prospects in baseball, and he's a catcher. And the Diamondbacks traded from. They traded Dalton Varshaw. I can't wait to see him play. I hope he's good. There's the guys that are coming up in the next couple of years. But for now, this is what you have. You're going up against the Dodgers, the star power of Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and Max Muncie. And they, they, the, the players they have are really, really good. Uh, David Peralta's on that Dodger team. David Peralta's on that team. Daniel Hudson, another former Diamondback, is on that team. So we remember Peralta. He got traded last year to Tampa Bay. And then, you know, he now... And then he ended up signing a deal with the Dodgers. So he's one of their platoon outfielders this year. So I'm looking forward to the matchups against the Dodgers. And, of course, that unbalanced, uh, the, 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 more ba- the more balanced schedule is going to be a lot better. We don't have to play this team 19 times. We brought this up yesterday. Luke Lipinski had tweeted out and he had mentioned, okay, you've got four against the Dodgers this week. You've got four against the Dodgers next week. After that, you've got five games left against the Dodgers the rest of the year. That's, that's you know what? I don't mind. That's weird. And I don't mind either. I don't mind it. And, it, and it's, I don't mind it for twofold. Number one, I don't mind it because I think the less games against the Dodgers and Padres, the better chance you have to be better. Good point. And number two, the less games you have against the Colorado Rockies, cool. Because you know, that's, that's, that's not a real needle That's a good mover. point, you too. Know, it's like, like, okay, another... So it works both ways. It works both ways. You it works both less ways. against the best and less against the teams you don't care about as much. Because we're all kind of bored with the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. Have you yeah. seen the starting lineup for tonight, by the way? It is unusual. I did not see the starting okay, line. You're ready? Yeah, give it to okay, me. Okay, here give we go. Yeah, I haven't looked. Batting leadoff. Yeah. Your designated hitter, Kyle Lewis. Ooh, okay. Batting second, playing second, Cattell Marte. Okay. Batting third, your starting left fielder, Lords Guriel Jr. Okay. Batting cleanup, Christian Walker. Batting fifth, third baseman, Evan Longoria. Batting sixth, shortstop, Nick Ahmed. Batting seventh, center fielder, Corbin Carroll. Batting eighth, catcher Gabriel Moreno. Batting ninth, Jake McCarthy out in right field. That is a so seven and nine for Carroll and McCarthy. Uh-huh. Ooh. I, Ooh. We got Tori on tomorrow. I I want to. What is what is the thinking behind that? I'm not disagreeing with it. I just want to know. Me, give it to me one more time. Kyle Lewis, Cattell Marte, Goriel. Okay. Walker, Longoria, Ahmed, Carroll, Moreno, McCarthy. Okay. Interesting. That is interesting. I would have thought Corbin Carroll would be much higher. Jake McCarthy. Okay, McCarthy at the bottom. I kind of get to like be a second leadoff hitter when the rotation when the lineup kind of flips, right? right? Right. And he could be a de facto leadoff at the bottom. Well, it looks like they're going. It looks like they're going real right-handed. You get McCarthy and Carroll out of the middle of the lineup because their lefties going up against Urias, right? So now you look at that lineup, and it's very predominantly right-handed early. 
with Goriel and with Walker and even Ahmed to try to get as many right-handed bats out there against Julio Urias as you can. Now, maybe the thinking is that, you know, the left-handed bats will come more into play when he's out of the game in the fifth or sixth inning because he probably hasn't gone, gone a whole lot. So I would think that, you know, that's what they're doing. They're, they're pushing some of their, their key left-handed bats later in the lineup, and they've got that right the right-handed bats early. Yeah, very interesting. This is your last shot to participate in the madness. Text the word Bucks to 62620 and then choose from the last four teams for your chance to win $250. Again, text the word Bucks to 62620. It's the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks. It's presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. So, you know what we think of the Diamondbacks? What's the national perception of this year's club? We'll go national and we'll find out next. Burns and Gambo. Leader. All right, we're here in the Valley tonight. The Diamondbacks are in Los Angeles taking on the Dodgers for their opening day. And I believe, if I remember what Mitch told me correctly before the show started, our next guest is in Houston for the Astros opener today. Joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, our friend and colleague from the USA Today. We have him on many, many times, Bob Nightingale from USA Today, joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Uh, Houston, yes, Bob, that's where you're at? Yeah, I'm right here, right before, uh, right before the Final Four. So nobody's talking about the Final Four here, but they're talking about the Astros. <laughs> yeah, because Houston was supposed to be in the Final Four, and they didn't make it. They got knocked out early. I, I don't know if you got a chance to watch that, that Yankee-Giants game earlier today, but two hours and 33 minutes, that is exactly what baseball was trying to accomplish when they made these changes in the, uh, with the rules. Yeah, I mean, I think their ultimate goal is 245. So, yeah, if this continues, I'd really be happy. I mean, everybody would be happy except for the, uh, the beer the beer salesman. I mean, you better stand in line and get your beer early or else that game's going to be over before you know it. Yeah, it, it's going to take some, from your perspective and the players you've talked to, the adjustment that has gone on with pitchers and hitters to the pitch clock and the rules and everything. Has it been seamless? Has it been easy? Has it had its challenges? What's the vibe that you're getting from the clubhouses you've been in, Bob? You know, it's been pretty seamless. I mean, I, I think at one time the pitchers thought, okay, I can play some uh, cat and mouse games with the uh, hitters. The hitters, you know, thought there'd be adjustment for the pitchers. But so far, we haven't really seen too much. I, I do believe, or prescribing that theory, that guys who throw hard may be a little disadvantaged. If you're throwing a hard miles an hour, you know, you know, five, six, seven straight pitches, you may be a little out of breath. So a lot of people think the velocity will drop down a little bit. The only thing I wonder about is the postseason. You know, I covered the whole, you know, WBC, and those things were so dramatic. You hate to see a pitch clock kind of take that away because, you know, the momentum and the uh, the vibe there, you know, when you see you know, Tani and Trout, you know, you don't want to be looking at the clock. I like got eight seconds to blow a pitch. You want them to have a, a few more seconds. So I wouldn't be surprised if they push it back, at least in postseason, maybe by five seconds. Uh, let's talk a little D-backs here because uh, the, the the feeling is that this team is going to be a lot better. They may even compete for a, a wild card spot. We saw what the young guys did coming up last year with Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll and Jake McCarthy and just the infusion that uh, of youth added a lot of excitement to the club. There's still some questions starting pitching-wise, but give me your thoughts on how far this team can go this season. I mean, I don't see any reason why they can't, you know, at least contend for a wild card spot in September. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, one of those young guys will not have a big year. It'll be a surprise somewhere along the line. 
But it's a young athletic team. You know, I'm with you. I think the you know, starting rotation is questionable. Uh, you know, outside of uh, Gallon and Kelly. Uh, we'll see what happens in the bullpen. But, yeah, I mean, it should be a, a fun team to watch. And I, and I do believe with the new rule changes, with the, uh, you know, the pickoff move, uh, you know, only, only getting two of them in the larger bases, should help out a team like the Diamondbacks because they have so many young athletic players. How necessary of a gamble was it for the Diamondbacks to do what they did with Corbin Carroll and signing him to that eight-year, $111 million deal when he's only got, what, 30-some-odd games in the majors? What sort of gamble did that represent for the Diamondbacks from your perspective? You know, I think it's just a thing that, that they you know, believe in them. They've been around him enough, you know, sign him, uh, had him in the uh, you know farm system, and saw what type of uh, person he is. I think when you sign a, a kid to that type of contract, you know, like we saw it last year with Seattle and Julio Rodriguez, you're going to believe that money's not going to change him. And I think you, know, you guys have been around him. It's like just you know, it seems like the uh, such a down to earth kid, and that's going to do everything possible to uh, you know win rookie of the year and be you know maybe an MVP candidate or at least a perennial All Star uh, you know for for years to come. So I I, I think they think that's a, you know obviously a wise business investment that he's going to be worth that kind of money, if not a lot more, because ultimately going to save him a lot more money in the long run. D-backs have an ace in Zach Gallen, his agent, Scott Boris. He's got three more years of control with Arizona. Obviously, if he's not going to sign an extension, I don't know if he plays out all three years, then you're probably not going to lose him for nothing. But what are the chances that with Scott Boris as your agent that the Diamondbacks might be able to get a long-term deal done with him like they did with Corbin Carroll? I just don't see it. I mean, Scott Boris' clients don't do that. I think that, you know, that Scott thinks that uh, in three years, you know, he'd be the top three agent starter out there. So I'd be shocked. I mean, there's a better chance of the, the three of us, you know, getting opening day starts and, uh, and, and that gallons and long-term extension. I, I just don't know what he's worth. The money, Joe, uh, so big in the game. So I don't see it. I don't think there's any number that even Scott Boris would tell the Diamondbacks, you'll sign for this. I don't think it exists. Does that then put uh, Bob Nightingale from USA Today, national baseball writer, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show? I should tell everybody that. Does that then put a, a limited window on the Diamondbacks' ability to compete over these next few years? Is it is it tied to how long they've got Zach Gallon on the roster if they do have to move on from Zach because of the contract? Well, I don't think you just say you know you can only compete as long as he's here. Uh, you know, hey, if they uh, if they have a, a down year sometime and feel like you know someone's going to offer them a ton of uh, prospects and some easily ready players for them, you know, you you would move them. Uh, but no, I th- I think you know, they're planning to have him here for three years, whether he's making you know thirty million dollars a year that last year or or, or whatnot. And uh, you know, at some point, you got to raise that payroll. You know, when you're in the same division as the uh, you know the Padres, the Dodgers, the Giants. Uh, you know, they all have such such bigger payrolls. Um, you look at San Diego, it's the third large third smallest market in all of baseball and yet get the third largest payroll. So yeah. at, at some point, if you want to compete, you got you got to raise that payroll. Yeah, that was a kind of a new owner that, that uh, wanted to spend a lot of money. They, they certainly don't have that type of money coming in, but that owner was spending a lot of his own money with the with the uh, Padres. I The Dimebacks increased their payroll a little bit this year, but you know I'm sure it'll go up once they feel like they're more competitive. You know, the question is, when you look at like the, 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 the signing of Carroll, and, and we've seen what Atlanta has done, and Tampa has done, and Seattle with some of the 
younger players. Is that the path forward for teams that are mid to lower markets having to take that chance of locking up players at such a young age? No, absolutely right, again, Bob. I mean, look, if you go back, you remember Cleveland back in the day, and they did that with all those guys, you know, Alomar, Bayerga, uh, on and on and on. And they, uh, you know, they were studs, and they ruled at AL Central for about, you know, eight or ten years. So that's what you got to do. You got to get the right guys to believe in and, and lock them up because, you know, markets like that, not going to be able to afford it. Uh, you know, when some of these guys get a free agent, you know, you're not going to be able to compete, you know, with the Padres, the Mets, you know, the Yankees, the Phillies, that sort of thing. What was your thoughts on the on the Varsho trade to Toronto to get back Gabriel Moreno and Lords Goriel? I mean, obviously dealing from surplus with the outfielders, but man, I, I really liked what they had there, but it seems like they, they needed a catcher more than they needed an extra outfielder. Yeah, you know, talking to uh, other GMs and uh, scouts, uh, I'm not saying unanimous, but, you know, about 80, 90% love the trade for the Dimebacks. Now, you know, it does set the Dimebacks, you know, back a little bit this year. You're a better team, you know, with, with Barsha in it. But for the future, to have a young catcher like that, and they're so hard to find, people, you know, love the trade for that reason. You know, maybe you traded Barsha at, at, at his peak, where, you know, a kid like Marino is just going to get better and better. I mean, you know, growing pains this year for sure, but hopefully in a few years, you know, it becomes a, you know, the all-star type catcher. Bob Nightingale from the USA Today, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Leave us with this. Are you just expecting the LA Dodgers and the San Diego Padres to basically trade haymakers all season long? Because while we all want the Diamondbacks to be relevant for as long as they can, and certainly that's the goal this year, it does seem like a very top-heavy division with those two. Are they just going to be trading punches all year long? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know everyone wants to give the Padres a division, but people forget the Padres finished 22 games behind the Dodgers last year. I think people are writing the Dodgers off, you know, too quickly here. I mean, number one, they already have the number one farm system. They got a loaded, loaded team. So, yeah, I think those are the two best. I think the Giants would be better than people think. I think the Giants will win, you know, should win at least 85 games. So, I think the Diamondbacks made improvements. They made a drastic improvement last year. You know, probably realistically, you're looking probably more toward a year from now, thinking, okay, that's where we're going to be serious contenders for a wild card spot. You get as a wild card team, and you know who knows what happens then. Bob, Bob, I know you remember those those teams with Whitey Herzog in St. Louis in the '80s with the speed, Vince Coleman and McGee and Ozzie Smith, and you know, there's a lot of feeling that the Diamondbacks with their speed could be similar. You know, the ability to go from first to third or score from first on a ball in a gap to steal bases, put pressure on the defense. Do you see any similarities with the D-backs and those Cardinal teams? Yeah, when you talk about the outfield, for sure. I mean, the Cardinals always had the, you know, the best and speediest outfield, uh, the most athletic guys. No, you're right. I mean, the Cardinals had pitching, too, obviously, with, you know, Andohar and Tudor and those type yeah. of guys. Uh, but, yeah, but as far as a, a fun, exciting team to watch, you know, particularly playing on turf, too, that helps. And they, uh, so, no, I, I think it would be a, a, a real fun team. I mean, nobody... Everybody hates, you know, older teams that are, uh, you know, slow and not doing anything. Let's face it, that's what made the uh, Cleveland Guardians so fun to watch last year. They had the youngest team in baseball. You know, they got, what, 40 more uh, infield hits. Any team in baseball, they struck out fewer than uh, any other team. So, yeah, people love watching those teams. Those teams can kind of sustain itself and get better as years go on. Yeah. Bob, good stuff as always. We appreciate the time. Safe travels. We'll talk to you soon, okay? 
All right, look forward to it. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks. Bob Nightingale from USA Today joining us on the Arizona Sports Line here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back on Burns and Gambo, we turn our attention back to the Suns. KD's home debut last night. That combined with everything else that went on around the NBA, it was a very interesting night for the Phoenix Suns all across the board. That's coming up next on Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, we got our Twitter poll question of the day. Let's turn it over to Eric Ruby. I have no idea what it is. Ruby surprised me. What do you got? Oh, come on. How could it not be about opening day? Come on, guys. Oh. It's your classic. I want to say congratulations. You guys made it through another MLB offseason. I know how much this means to you guys, seeing your faces light up at the beginning of the show. So our question today, how many wins do you think the Diamondbacks get this year? Your four options are under 75, 75 to 79, 80 to 84, and 85 plus. I want to know, who do we think is going to be the first D-back to strike out on a pitch clock violation? Raphael Devers struck out on a pitch clock violation today for the Red Sox. Put me down for 80 to 84. That's what I have. They'll win 83 games. I bet the majority of our audience will choose the option before that one. 75 to 79? I bet the majority of our audience What do you think, Gambo? You agree with that? I agree. I have 82 wins. So I was going 82 wins. And so what I agree the, with you. You think the, the fans are going to go a little bit lower too? I would say that Bernsey's probably right. Actually, I think the majority will be with us, 80 to 84. Okay. Well, that is right, Gambo. You're on it today. 45.8% rolling with you two, heavily in favor of 80 to 84 wins for the D-backs this season. Next closest is 20% lower at 26.5, which is 75 to 79 wins. And then on the margins, 14.5% say under 75, 13.3 say over 85. All right, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Thank you, Eric. We appreciate it as always. Sons last night, Kevin Durant, it was an awkward shooting performance for him to say the least. It was, he just looked a little off all night. He changed tennis shoes, right? He changed sneakers at halftime because he was one for eight in the sneakers that he was in. At one point, there was even a conversation between him and Monty. I I watched the Bally Sports broadcast, but on the the ESPN broadcast, there was an exchange. Apparently, Monty, like, Kevin Durant comes walking off the court. He's shaking his head, and Monty's like, what are you shaking your head for? You know, that's part of it. Great this don't shake his head you feel me and Durant's like okay huh. all right like it was it was it wasn't at all what we expected considering what we had seen from Kevin Durant in the other three should games. we have expected it the guys played three games since the middle of January should we have expected a little rust I think we got really spoiled by what we saw in those first three games but it was all on the road it, it, there was no home game there was no pressure there was no the fans going crazy and I think the nerves of that moment might have kind of kicked in a little bit I think in retrospect we probably should have expected not the greatest game by Kevin Durant in his debut. It, it, you, when you think about it now, dude's played four basketball games in three months, right? right? Like, And this was his first game in front of his new home crowd. He's probably nervous, a little rusty. He hasn't played a lot of basketball like that. It's to be expected. Now, the Suns won, and it's a good thing they did, because the Clippers won last night too, and that kind of kept up the pressure on the Suns to win in the Western Conference. Let's take a look around everything else that happened last night, because the Clippers getting that win without Kawhi over Memphis, that was a big kind of statement moment for them. Russell Westbrook had himself a hell of a game last night. 
Yeah, there's no doubt that that was a big win for them. Russell Westbrook took it upon himself to carry that team, and it shows what happens if he, like, a single star on a team, Russell Westbrook's not going to be bad. Season I, 36 points for him. Covington, he had a season best with 27. They end up winning that game. The Grizzlies were without a lot of guys. John Morant came back. He didn't play against Orlando Tuesday night, but no Jaron Jackson Jr., no Desmond Bain, no Tyus Jones, no John Concher. Like, they they were without some some key guys. Now, the Clippers, no George, no Leonard, no Marcus Morris Jr. So um, Bones Highland played well. Russell Westbrook played well. Clippers got a much-needed win. And right now, they're the five-spot. five, five spot. They would play, be the team that plays the Suns if the playoffs started today. When I saw that Kawhi wasn't going to play in that game last night, I, I thought this is the chance for the Suns to, to pick up a game on them in the loss column. You know, to give them that two-game cushion over them with six games to play. It didn't happen. In large part because Russell Westbrook just played out of his mind. And the bench played out of their mind. What is it, 66 points, I think, for the bench last night for the L.A. Clippers? They were tremendous. They shot like 60% from three, 61%. Yeah, 22 out of 37. Overall, man, they were knocking them down. They were really, really good. So the, the Clippers keep the pressure on. But the other thing that kind of happened, too, now with Minnesota losing, the Lakers won, too. But, but if you look at the play-in standings. Okay, I'm looking at them right now. The Suns have a three-game lead in the loss column with six games to play. I'm not really worried about it. I'm not, I'm not really worried about that anymore. No, I mean, it, could something crazy happen where the Suns, you know, it, yeah, I'm not saying it can't, but a three-game lead with six to play, I feel pretty confident about the Suns' ability to stay out of the play-in tournament at this point. So your 7-8 matchup right now would be the Timberwolves, who the Suns played last night against the Lakers. One of those teams wins, they're in the playoffs. The other would play the winner of the New Orleans-Oklahoma City matchup, the 9-10 matchup. So the loser of that one would have another chance to get in by beating whoever wins the New Orleans OKC match. Whoever loses New Orleans OKC, they're out. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned the Lakers. They beat the Bulls last night, 121-110, obviously to keep them in that play-in tournament. The other big result last night, it doesn't really affect anything standings-wise, but it's still pretty cool. Sacramento Kings just clobbered the Portland Trailblazers. They don't have any of their guys right now by 30 points. And by doing so, they officially, finally, clinched their first playoff spot in 16 years. The longest drought among the big four sports leagues in North America is now over and now moves to the New York J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. And the longest playoff since Joe streak. Namath in 69 led him to the Super Bowl. Not quite. It's been 12 no. years. Richard no. Todd? No. Kenny O'Brien? Mark Sanchez Mark and Sanchez. Rex Ryan. Remember uh, those teams? No. That was the last Jets team to make to the playoffs. Forget those teams. Are you? Well, at yeah. least they went that to That team's now a footnote, I believe. Oh, oh. that's <laughs> they are. They are also the butt of many jokes. Oh, if I'm not mistaken, man. Mark Sanchez, the butt fumble. Mm-hmm. Rex Ryan, the mm-hmm. foot fetish. Yeah. Footnote, but no. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good. It's, it's, good. All it's good. good. It's all good fun. Keegan Murray of Sacramento sets the rookie record for three pointers made. The number four overall pick in the draft, 188 three pointers, breaks the mark set by Donovan Mitchell in 2017-18. He can knock them down. The Clippers shoot a lot of threes, and uh, Keegan Murray's been huge for them with that. The 76ers beat the Dallas Mavericks last night, 116-108. Yeah, it's just about over. Dallas Mavericks are now a full game in the loss column behind Oklahoma State, or Oklahoma State, Oklahoma City for 10th in the Western Conference. A full game back of the last 
play-in spot. The defending Western Conference Championship participants, Dallas Mavericks, might not even make the play-in tournament. I was seeing how you were going to word that. The defending Western I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, they're not the defending Western Conference champions. I'm listening to you there, and as you're going through it slowly, I'm like, how is he going to make that work? Okay, I started How's pay, he going to make that work? I started to paint myself in a corner. Did I get the out of The defending okay? Western Conference. No, they're not the defending Western Conference champions. I didn't say that. So then you threw in participants. There, there you go. I, I started they're to paint myself in a corner, and I got myself out. Campbell, I'm a professional You're talker. You're a professional talk show host. I know what I'm doing over here. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. I would have been like, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. They didn't win it last year. Let's redo this. <laughs> they made it to the conference finals. They didn't win it. Well, they might not make it to anything this year. Yeah, good. <laughs> You're happy about this? I, yeah, too. I don't like Luka. I, I'm, it'd be, I don't root for Luka. Can you imagine the NBA, though, not having Luka? Yes, I can playoffs? imagine. That would be fine. How they, they won't be happy about that. Not that they're going to do anything about it. They won't be happy about that. I mean, it's too too bad. Was this, what, I mean, I know he, he, there's a lot of fans, especially outside this country, that root for him. But there's plenty of other players to root for. We're talking this, about one of the biggest stars in the game. Not even making the playoffs. I mean, so one of the what? Biggest, well, you say so what. The NBA so what? is probably not sitting around saying so what. It's probably a bigger deal to them than you're letting on to be. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, what are you, you going to do? You can't fix it so they no, win games? No, I'm, I'm just making an observation. I'm, I'm, sure not, they, I'm not saying yeah. they should fix it so he gets in. I'm just making the observation that one of the league's biggest stars is not even going to make the post. In a league where everybody makes the playoffs. Yeah. For goodness sakes, they let 20 teams into the postseason. And you can't get one of the top three biggest stars in the game into the postseason. For all the dumb moves they made, they Ooh. deserve not to make it. They didn't sign Brunson. They traded Finney Smith, one of their best defenders, and Dinwiddie, and... Went all in on Kyrie Irving, and that's backfired. Kyrie's not happy. He's saying, I didn't expect us to be this bad. The way it stands now, Phoenix Suns are fourth. They have a one-game lead over the Clippers for fifth in the Western Conference. They have a two-game lead over Golden State for sixth. Season ends right now. It's the Suns and the Clippers in the first round of the playoffs. And then you mentioned the play-in tournament as well. Tonight, there's really only one game of, of any consequence. That's the Pelicans taking on Denver. A lot of action last night, and a lot of it was centered around what the Clippers did to the Grizzlies, the Kings getting in and the 76ers beating Dallas. Also, uh, we have to say, 51 for Drew Holiday last night. Not bad. Ooh, not I think bad. Milwaukee's the team to beat. Yes, they're they're the team they to are beat. the team to beat. And it's not the Suns. Uh, and Cam Johnson had a nice night last night for the Nets as well. When we come back on the Burns in Gambo show, after you text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now, the proposed Coyotes new arena. Is it in jeopardy? The president and CEO of the Yotes, Javier Gutierrez, joining us next on the Burns and Gambo show.